Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. Great to have you with us again this week. I'm here with Pastor Nick Katie, um, Pastor Mike here, and we are here in Longmont, Colorado. And uh, we are once again in our series, Desiring the Kingdom, as we look through First and Second Kings. And uh, we were in chapter 19 of First Kings, looking again at Elijah. And this this time kind of after after that big uh, victory and big success against the prophets of Baal and, and everything, we come here to chapter 19, we just see Elijah fall into a, a, a place of depression. And, and uh, this week's sermon was called A Dark Night of the Soul. And if you missed it, whitefieldschurch.com, get over there and you can download it and listen to it there and that's on all of our streaming platforms, Facebook, YouTube, and all of the podcast uh, platforms that you might listen to. it. And if you would, just go ahead and subscribe to that, like it, give us a thumbs up, ring the bell, whatever the platform asks you to do, share it, and it uh, just really helps uh, get this channel out there. And we've got this gospel-centered content, Christ-centered content that we just want to bless people with, and it's essential. I think it's an essential part of our lives to hear about these things and see how God affects us in our everyday life. And so as we come to this, you know, a lot of, you know, this very deep, deep topic, you're talking about depression. It's, uh, you know, one of those subjects today that's, you know, in within the church has been touchy over the, over the years. And, uh, you know, we just kind of dived into the fact that Elijah just falls into great depression. And, and the question comes up, like, why after such a great victory, and seeing God's on display, like the amazing power, the Lord just shoots down the lightning bolt and, you know, the, the whole um, sacrifice is just taken up on the altar there. And then we find here Elijah, at, you know, after s- some queen just kind of says, hey, by all the gods, you know, I'm going to come after you. And we find him just completely down, almost seeming to give up on 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 the Lord and and just, you know, falling to despair, you know, how, how, how do we explain that sudden change? Yeah. You know, there's, there's actually, uh, some people have said that, you know, he should have, Elijah should have stayed in Jezreel essentially by running away. He's perhaps even abandoning his, his post, his call from God, kind of pulling a Jonah, you know, God had said, Hey, do this. And he's, he's running away, not only from Jezebel, but running away from his calling from God. And that that's very likely because what we're going to see at the rest of chapter 19 is that God asks him, I believe three times, what are you doing here? In other words, why, what are you doing? He's calling him out on it, but gently and kindly and patiently. And so I would actually agree with that. I think that this was not a good thing for Elijah to do. I think he's running scared. Uh, clearly his fear seems to be driving him to do something which is not what God's called him to do. He's running away. And, uh, and yes, how did he go to that point? Yeah, it's certainly a huge extreme from what we've seen with Elijah so far, where he was bold, courageous, confident, trusting the Lord. And again, this is not the first time his life has been threatened. It's not like he was just really scared of death threats. He's had his life threatened many times for years by Ahab. And then he went to Ahab who wanted to kill him and looked him right in the face and said, hey, you know, we're going to do this showdown, etc." cetera. Um, in fact, he even called out Ahab and said, you have troubled Israel by turning away from God. And now, you know, like you said, he gets one death threat from the queen. And I, I, I sometimes hear people diminish the fact that it's the queen. I, I don't think that's diminished at all. I mean, she's a very powerful person, obviously. And um, so the queen threatens him and he, he runs scared and seems to be running away from, from God as well. 
Look, uh, A.W. Pink in his uh, writings about Elijah, he had this thing where he famously said, this just reminds us that he is a man who is made of dust just like the rest of us. Even the best of men are but men at best, as the saying goes. And I think that's right. And you can look through the Bible and what the Bible doesn't allow us to do is make too big of a hero out of anybody. Right? There's only really one person in the Bible other than Jesus, who were not told about any of their failings, and that's Daniel. I mean, even Joseph uh, was obnoxious to his brothers, right? And uh, he, he had other, everybody else in the Bible. I mean, think about it. Uh, Abraham follows God, and it, he trusts God, and it's credited to him as righteousness. And then he sells his wife to Pharaoh. Like, what, what was that, right? Um, then you have, you know, Peter on the same, in the same sentence, almost the same breath. It's a next breath, right? He says, Jesus says, who do you say I am? Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you're right, Peter. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And then like a minute later, he's calling him Satan and telling him to get behind me and says, you're opposed to the things of God. You're wanting the things of man, not the things of God. I mean, this is a constant theme throughout the Bible is that, uh, you know, Noah, you know, builds this ark, preaches the gospel to un, un, and, uh, you know, unresponsive people. And the next thing you know, he's naked and doing stuff he shouldn't be doing. And this is a consistent thing we see through the Bible. And it just reminds us of our frailty as human people. I think with Elijah, we got to recognize a few things. He's exhausted emotionally, spiritually, physically. He's, you know, physically exhausted for sure. But think about the emotional toll it takes, you know, executing 450 people. Uh, I mean, just think about the death that's involved in that. It's, that takes a toll on you. Think about just the, even the expectation of waiting for hours for your turn and, you know, kind of hoping and praying that things are going to happen the way that you, you trust that they will, but you're still anticipating it. Right? There's a bunch of buildup. You see this fire come from heaven. I mean, huge emotional thing. And I think the biggest thing with him is too, the thing that sticks out to me, he's disappointed. And this, this reminds me so much of us, right? Like ourselves as human beings. Look, he just saw 10,000 plus people repent and turn back to the Lord and turn away from Baal. But the two people he most wanted to see turn back to, turn back to the Lord from Baal or turn to the Lord at all from Baal, they didn't. And he's so discouraged, so disappointed by that, so discouraged by the death threat he gets um, that he's, you know, that can be the same with us. We can get a hundred compliments and, you know, they mean, they're meaningful, but you get that one criticism or that one complaint and it's, it just occupies space in your mind for so long. So, yeah. And do you think that, uh, you know, it says that he feared, you know, like this, does fear have, have, you know, direct impact on in us falling into depression, being, you know, in that place of despair? Yeah, perhaps. I mean, we're told to fear not. And, um, I think more importantly than just being told to fear not, we're given reasons why not to fear. And, um, yeah, when we're doing that, when we're in that fearful place, we're forgetting about all of those things. One of the things I said yesterday, which, um, which kind of stuck in my mind is that on a logical plane, it doesn't make any sense, but depression is usually not about logic. It's about a lot of things, but logic's usually not one of them. And, uh, and that's exactly what we kind of need to do. That's the whole point of stopping, not listening to yourself, but speaking to yourself, slowing down and saying, okay, wait a second. I need to take these thoughts captive where I know I'm feeling this way, 
but I need to slow down. Maybe I need to take a break, take a nap, do something, um, and regather before I make any decisions like running away to Beersheba. Um, but you know, I need to stop a second and I need to get in a place where I can actually, uh, analyze these thoughts, take them captive for the Lord and, and think, should I be fearing right now? Should I not? That's really not easy to do, but it's essential that we fight to do it. Yeah. And I, I think that's important, uh, to understand, you know, that we all fear. That's why we were told by the Lord, fear not. It's right. that, you know, as you talked about taking captive, when we let that fear run wild and we let it go to its logical conclusions and, and we start, and that's when the, the lies start to build and we start to, you know, almost feed, feed the fear and we need to you know, bring it back and bring it under, you know, the, the headship of, of Christ and bring those thoughts captive and not let them get out, you know. And I think that's when you talk to yourself, you speak to, to yourself about the attributes of the Lord and about what God has promised us and knowing the promises of God. Yeah, reminding yourself of his past faithfulness, like we mm-hmm. talked about last week. Yeah, definitely, definitely. No, just a great, yeah, no, it's something I think we can all identify with, you know, especially, you know, after a great high, many times there's always, a, there seems to be a great low. We, well, we're susceptible to that great low, especially when we, we've been maybe emotionally drained and we're just open, as you said, to criticism, you know, and I think a lot of uh, pastors deal with that after Sunday, you know, Monday, you know, you, you're susceptible to the criticism that might come in, in, you know, relation to your Sunday sermon or things that happen or whatever. I don't you know what you're talking about, Mike. <laughs> I can't relate to that yeah. at all. Never so, happens. Maybe another, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of therapy. Yeah. So. But uh, there, there's also, there was a question about, um, again, we had some great questions that come in, uh, came in just from people uh, taking notes, sending emails and saying, hey, what about this and what about that? And so that's kind of what we what we've want this kind of sermon extra to be about. Discuss some of the things that kind of, you know, prompted you like, hey, what about this and what about that? And, and I thought was the, the, the angel that's spoken of here. Um, is this a theophany? Is this Jesus? Is this Christ appearing here to Elijah? Yeah, so it's mentioned two times, and I'm just looking at the verses. So one is um, verse 5, and then it's mentioned in verse 7. So uh, two questions. One is, is this the same angel? Or is it, and the second question is, is this an appearance of the Lord? A theophany would be an appearance of God. Christophany meaning, would then this be an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament? Uh, The word angel in both Hebrew and Greek literally means messenger. So, um, but clearly this is believed to be some sort of angelic meaning spiritual being that, uh, or a celestial being that uh, has come to help someone sent by God. Okay. Uh, is it the same angel? It seems to me that it's the same angel from my reading of the text. Um, and and here's, I would say, yeah, I do think this is a Christophany. And the reason I think it's a Christophany is because this phrase, the angel of the Lord, is used many times throughout the Bible. Sometimes the angel of the Lord is talked to as if it is an appearance of God. So like, for example, Jacob wrestles with the angel of the Lord. And then he says, I have wrestled with God and and been subdued, right? Um, So the angel of the Lord is a specific kind of title given to appearances, it seems, of God in the Old Testament. Now, not every angel in the Old Testament is an appearance of God. 
Um, but here's why we, I would say this is not only a theophany, but a Christophany is because you get into like the gospel of John chapter one, it says, no one has ever seen God. Um, but the only God, Jesus Christ has made him known. In other words, he says in Colossians one, he's the image of the invisible God. And so I believe that when we're seeing instances of God, um, manifesting in human form or in some kind of physical form in the Old Testament. These are actually appearances of the second person of the Trinity, uh, the son, Jesus, uh, appearing before he came as a baby in Bethlehem, known by the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, now that's very interesting thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, you, you, we, we see that quite a few times in the Old Testament, and it's always a question, you know, um, for us. And I think was with Joshua as well, right? And Joshua, yeah, there you go, the angel Gideon, of the Lord, um, yep. Lot, well, appearing to Abraham to to save to save Lot. So these are all, yeah, great great study in the Old Testament with those particular things. And maybe it's something that our listeners want to just kind of dive into themselves. But one final question before we go, and that's just like as we we dove into this topic of depression and, uh, you know, very real today, especially here in the United States, people are, are really suffering through it. And, you know, the topic of medication, you know, is it should, you know, let's just say should Christians be taking medication for depression is this something you know is the bible against this for this or whatever you know this is kind of a topic that arose yeah so as as neuroscience has developed right we've been seeing that there are physical reasons why the brain can have um you know chemical imbalances etc like uh, things like that so you know just as you would take perhaps a heart medication or you take something for uh, another neurological disorder it is I think that there are times when uh, it's warranted now I want to say I'm not an expert on this area I don't have expertise in this area haven't studied it I can't speak from my own knowledge but I do know uh, many doctors. Uh, we had a lot of friends who were doctors in Hungary. Uh, they're training to be doctors. Now they're practicing. And some of them have gone into these fields. Uh, I've known um, people who have studied, you know, brain science and things like that. And what they tell me is that, you know, there are a lot of people who greatly benefit from these medicines. And yet, even they would admit that there are cases in which uh, these medicines are um, may prescribed too readily. Um, it's not always very accurate sometimes. There's trying to figure out how to help a person. Um, and so, uh, you know, if you were to come up to me and say, hey, you know, should people never take medicine? Should everybody be taking medicine? My, I would have no idea, right? That's really outside of my area of expertise. But I would tell you this, uh, I'm a pastor. I know something about the Bible. I know something about the work of the Holy Spirit. And I would say, um, I would, I would pray for that person. I would encourage them to do all these things. What I have learned from my, you know, limited amount of reading is that it seems that brain um, chemistry can change with repetition, with rote and things like that. I mentioned that in the sermon. And so there is hope, you know, that, um, that this is, that there, there can be improvement. That's, that's really good news. And, you know, that's something that the Bible has always encouraged. We see this whole idea of spiritual disciplines, working these disciplines into your life. And, you know, I was uh, sharing with you earlier about a person I've known personally who went through something very difficult and was given kind of a treatment regimen. And this treatment regimen included medicine, 
but it also included exercise, it included diet, it included even scripture reading. Um, and so, yes, I think that we need to take a holistic approach to this. I'm not saying it's for everyone, and I have I have no expertise in, this, in the area of who you know needs it and who doesn't and all of those things. But I would say that if you are on medicine or if you're not on medicine, you really need to be seeking the Lord and building these regimens into your life of spiritual disciplines that are going to be important for you. Yeah, and I think it's also important that uh, we should bring things into the light. You know, I think for for many years, and I think the church has definitely been suspect in this, is that it's been a sign of weakness. I'm not a good enough Christian. I'm still dealing with this. Why am I still dealing with this? You know, why is the Lord not answering? And, you know, and uh, we just, just, you know, we look at Elijah, you know, right there. You know, there are people that fall into those kind of things. And unfortunately, the church has many times kind of not stepped in when they should have and had that conversation. I think it's important that if someone, you know, is listening or viewing this, is dealing with this, that they need, you know, step forward and just have a conversation with your pastor have a conversation with somebody and say, hey, I'm dealing with this and, and I, you know, and to just go down that pathway instead of trying to bury it because these kind of things do not work being buried, you know, <laughs> they just get worse and they feared it. They've that fear, that fear of being found out feeds into itself and makes things worse, of course. And so, yeah, definitely the church you know, should embrace people that are dealing with these things and be ready to hear and be ready to counsel through God's word or, you know, if, if it needs medication or those kind of things, it's very, very important. So, hey, if you have thoughts and comments on that particular topic, and I'm sure you do because many people do, uh, you know, um, yeah, share them with us. We, you know, it's a conversation we need to have as a church and uh, to, to, to help people. There are many of them in our own congregations that are dealing with these kind of things, and we want to bring the Bible and the gospel to bear on these topics as, as, as much as we can. And so if you, uh, again, if you missed our sermon, whitefieldschurch.com, sermons over here, subscribe over here, and all our platforms, Apple and, and the different podcast things, you can find the sermons, and uh, we'll see you again next week. God bless.